I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The year is 1980. Sydney's streets are filthy, running rampant with crime and corruption. Puberty blues is onto the cinemas. Ice House is blaring on the stereo. It's humid and dangerous. And a young man has decided to join the police force to fight crime. That man, of course is my dad. Loose Units, the podcast, was created to tell the cases that wouldn't fit into my first book, Loose Units. But Loose Units was a series of fantastical tales that I wrote based on the real crimes my dad solved on the force back in the early 80s. So this season, dad and I are finally going to go back, back, back to the year 1980, and each week we'll be going chapter by chapter through Loose Units, the book, and dad will tell us the story behind my version of events. It'll be thrilling, Revelatory, and as always, very, very loose. Welcome to Loose Units Origins. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Origins. Every week on this season of Loose Units, Dad and I are going back to our copies of Loose Units, the book that I wrote based on Dad's adventures as a cop. Dad, would you think the word adventures is somewhat flippant given the gravity of the things you witnessed and uh, engaged in as an officer in the 80s? Uh, no. Great. Um... Adventures. Well, uh, they are adventures. They're my adventures. And they were bloody exciting. But, Paul, reading this book, Loose Units, again, Mm. I think I've read it now probably four or five times. Yeah. And for the listener's benefit, when we talk about it every um, week, I read it on the Sunday night and then I read it again on the Monday. Sure. Sure. To make sure, and what I've realised is that there are so many stories beneath the stories. You say that, but I mean, can you give us an example? You you mentioned that you had okay. First of all, listeners, for those of you who are just tuning in, Loose Units Origins every week, Dad and I go. We're going basically chapter by chapter through Loose Units because it is my reinterpretation of things Dad did as a cop back in the eighties. And every week we're going through the chapters and sort of you know Dad's giving his side of the story, the story behind the story, and. Last week, we did chapter one and the prologue of the book, and we found out about you basically enrolling in the, in the academy. But yeah, you mentioned on the phone that you had something something to do with your... Because uh, you were working at a company called Cellpack, is that correct? That's right. And we can use that, um, that name uh, with gay abandon now, or maybe just abandon. Sure. Um, because they no longer exist, which is right. always pretty cool, I think. To know that I can. Oh, I get it. You think, like. it's, you think it's cool when businesses fold in this current economic climate? No, well, this didn't happen in this current economic climate. <laughs> this happened a long time ago. I'm joking. I know you're joking. Um, but, Paul, 
I have just driven back home. By the way, listeners, in mm. Sydney, the weather is, I would describe it as borderline cyclonic. Sure. And the ocean is like, I'd rate it uh, at 10 on the Beaufort scale. And for those of you that don't know what the Beaufort scale is, well, you can, there's some research. I'm not going to tell you because it's very exciting. Um, but I often think about stories that I haven't told you, Paul, because some of them are would make you feel awkward. And I don't know whether... I mean, I'm happy to make you feel awkward. There's different kinds of awkward, Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But this story... Uh, I've actually got three stories from when I started or, and spent some time. Because, listeners, you may recall that the genesis of me joining the New South Wales Police Force occurred, literally, when I was on the toilet at Selpac, feeling miserable, saw the, uh, the torn-off bit of paper, had the ad... And, and it all sort of started there. But I'd worked at that company for more than six months. Mm. And I mean, I'm, I'm sort of slightly hesitant, Paul, to tell you and the listeners, but I also think that the listeners have got a certain opinion yeah. of you and an opinion of me and an opinion of Christine. Um, might I say that all the good opinions of Christine are correctly founded? She's amazing. Yeah, and she's, um, you know, she's pretty uh, down the line. And, I mean, she, I don't think she's ever used the F word in front of me. She's used it in front of me. Yeah, that's different, Paul. <laughs> but I don't think she's ever said it in front of me. Okay. Um, you think that's shows... because she's, you know, she's, she's a very, she's very she's law-abiding. She's proper. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's not to say that people that do swear are improper. Because Fuck I no. swear... Fuck no. A hell of a lot. And and your sister is a notorious swearer. Yeah, that was um, um, that was a little jarring because I moved out of home and about 10 years later we start catching up more often and she just sort of, you know, it's amazing how people's language can evolve. Now, wh- where are you going with this, Dad? Paul, I also want the listeners, and, and let's face it, he, I mean, I'm not without sin or without, I mean, I've done some, some shit in my life. And uh, I just want the listeners to know that, like a river, I used to take the path of least resistance. And I was earning a shit salary back at Selpac. Um, technically, my or tec- my technical um, sort of job description was envelope mechanic. Um, and I had a bit of a problem with putting those two words together because it just was as weird, was weird, mm. and probably still is. But um, there was unbeknownst to me a fairly fairly well-known high-profile drug dealer working at that company and he was a good he was a good bloke he was built like a brick shit house which uh, drug marijuana ah jazz cigarettes hmm and marijuana was very popular yeah. i mean i i suppose it's still popular yeah and because I'd had some very bad experiences with drugs, um, I don't know whether we've ever discussed this on any of the podcasts, Paul, but I had some absolutely horrific experiences with drugs. And um, and it kind of, um, in a way, I'm kind of glad that I, I did. I mean, I remember that time I had a soluble aspirin, like, without having eaten food first. It sat me on my ass. Well, the first time I ever had coffee, I was 29. I was at Manly Fire Station and I was 
it was midday. It was a Makona, and I was off my tits. Oh. I, was, I was bouncing off walls. It was the most euphoric experience. That's the first time I had coffee. So the drug thing was, uh, let's just say, listeners, I'd, I'd had some um, pretty harrowing times with drugs, mm-hmm. but I also liked the thought of making some quick, easy money. And I was there was oh. a bit of a syndicate <laughs> at the company. Yep. And I was offered to chip in mm-hmm. um, a certain amount of money. Yep. Back then, it would have been about a month's pay. Now, just just heads up, um, the way you're telling the story seems to be linking the making of envelopes and drugs. So, are you talking about maybe some sort of ring, some sort of drug ring, where you where the glue on the envelopes is drugged and you get high by licking it? Or isn't that funny, Paul? I knew you were going to say that. Did you? Yeah. Oh, you could ridiculous. smuggle drugs. You could smuggle drugs. Some, you know, some mm. some fat buds in envelopes, right? Mm, no, oh. no. This this was a a, a, a sort of a private enterprise um, and somehow or other I became a little bit excited about it mm-hmm. and there were these black plastic bags that weighed definitely in the kilos Yeah. and this guy liked me, he trusted me and uh, I was invited into the inner sanctum and I had an opportunity to invest some money, some of my hard earned into this um, syndicate and I was going to make a massive return and as fate would have it I decided to instead try and join the New South Wales Police Force. Do, now, do you think that your um, the vigour with which you pursued the police force had something to do with running away from a wrong road of sorts? Yeah, I, I do. I think I was at the crossroads. I have hmm. been at the crossroads so many times in my life Yeah, uh, from a very early age and everyone gets to crossroads and everyone either does nothing as though it's a T intersection, they go left, they go right. Just to be and clear, you you are referring to the figurative crossroads and not the Britney Spears movies starring Britney Spears and Zoe Saldana, correct? No, Paul. But but I actually don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, I've heard of Britney Spears, but I mean, there are lots of connotations of that that phrase and crossroads. Some of those I'm not going to talk to you about on air. Um, what? Oh, you know that that old expression? No. You know, dining at the crossroads. No. Oh, Are wait. You serious? Do you, do you mean the thing of like selling a soul at the crossroads, burying a thing? No, 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 sell- no. Oral sex. What? Di- <laughs> Paul, I thought you'd know that. No, you know, no. Dining well, at the what- crossroads, dining yeah. at the lazy Y. Sure. Boxed lunch. Yeah. Bury me in a Y-shaped coffin. All that sort of stuff, Paul. Great. This is all good family fun. But suffice to say, you took the left leg. Yeah, I, I decided not to go down, down that. Um, but can I just share something else with you about working at that particular company? And Please do, I'm, yes. I'm not, I'm not super proud of this, but I used to ride a fairly big motorbike mm. and I had a mate. Uh, and I was still doing skydiving at the time. I was, I was into adrenaline sports and uh, I bought this fantastic motorbike. And... Uh, do you want me to tell you the whole story or do you just want to give you an abridged version? Because yeah, there are a couple it. of... No, seriously. In the words of Anne, my sister, fuck shitty fuck fuckington it. All right. Well, look, again, something I'm not super proud of, listeners, but I'm, I'm, I'm laying my, uh, my soul bare to all of you on this particular episode. Mm-hmm. I was, um, if I dare say so myself, I, I regarded myself as relatively stylish. Everything I'm not now. Uh, I'm a dag now. I'm a dag. And the reason I'm a dag, I don't care a lot about... I mean, when I go on stage with you, Paul, you know, you make sure that, that I look 
pretty decent. But for those people that know me um, well and and intimately, not I'm not perhaps that's not the best word to use, but you know I I no- notoriously wear thongs and short pants all year round. Oh, shit. Occasionally, if it's really cold, I'll wear jeans and thongs. Um, and I'm, yeah, look, I'm, but the reason for that is that I wore uniforms for 20 years and suits and I just, I'm, I, I don't really feel comfortable getting dressed up. Um, but when I was hey, in my teens... Just quickly, that's really, that's a really useful insight for me because we've been doing live shows for, you know, almost two years now and your resistance to wearing nice clothes is, it, it, look, I won't like, it gets pretty intense at times, but if I'd known it was sort of a pathological reaction to years spent in uniform, I think I probably would have approached some moments differently, like the moment where I literally walked at you with hair product in my hands, screaming, mm. come here, you big idiot. Mm. Uh, so I apologize for that. No, no, that's cool. But I, I think it's it's good to get things um, historically sort of in perspective. Mm. And, um, and I remember my mum when I was a little boy, and I don't know whether this still happens, but I had a sort of a bit of a cowlick um, you know, a bit of a long hair thing happening at the front. And she would um, basically, and I'm going to say it as it was, and I don't know, as I said, if it still happens, but she would basically lick her hand with copious amounts of spittle and, and use that as like a sort of a a product and run, run her fingers through my hair to get it to stick. Ooh. I mean, that's just, you know, that, that happened in the 60s uh, yeah. and I didn't like it. It made me feel it was just not right. And uh, so I have a slight aversion to product, Paul, as mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But in the, in the 1970s, I did regard myself as a bit of a snappy dresser. I used to go to discos. I had my two-tone Florsheim shoes that cost probably a week's wage. I had a really yeah. nice suede coat, jacket, that I kept well into my forensics days, uh-huh. as you will recall. But um, I had this beautiful motorbike and... My friend was a very, very good rider and we used to go out on the Putty Road up to Singleton and we were riding up that way and some bikies, a bikey gang, came up from behind. They sort of got us around. They sort of locked us in and then they started to up the pace and I was riding well beyond my limited capabilities and needless to say, I came to take a corner. Mm -hmm. I didn't take it. I went off uh, off the road. I hit a white marker pole and I went down into a ditch and the entire group, including my mate, kept going and it must have been a long time before they realised that I was not part of the group. Ah. Now, the motorbike, the Kawasaki Z500 landed on top of me and it broke my I think it's my left ankle it's the ankle wait did I, it it broke my left ankle I think it's the ankle that you use to change the gears right. whatever foot that is and the springs are uh, sort of bottomed out and the whole thing and it had fuel leaking on me and it burnt my uh, one of my legs on the exhaust pipe and eventually my mate came back and he saw the white pole that had been broken and he uh, helped me and we got, somehow or other, we got up onto the bike and I rode back to Sydney over 100 kilometres with a uh, broken ankle and I had to reach down, listeners, and change the gear with my hand. Super dangerous. Oh. We were coming, I was almost home and, and listeners, bear with me because this does have something to do with cell pack. And um, it was a Sunday afternoon. My bike was completely rat shit and we were coming down a very steep road, um, the exact road that 
when I had my first aid kit, we came across the motorcyclist who died in my arms, that road. And for yeah. listeners that want to check it out, it's called Beacon Hill Road, Northern Beach is super steep. And as I was coming down the bottom on a Sunday Arvo, minutes from home, they'd been doing some road work at the bottom and I hit gravel and the bike slid from underneath me, basically ground away um, one side of the bike. So I had my broken ankle, I had burns, but then as I was sliding, I I basically tore all the skin on my left knee um, and we can post a photograph today. Of your um, skin? Of the scar. Oh, okay. And fortuitously, um, I'd bought this motorbike at a company called Alan Hales Motorbikes at the bottom of Warringah Road. They lo- no longer exist, but there is a bike store still there. Mm-hmm. And my we, we sort of left the bike there. Now, back in those days, um, you were if you had an accident on the way to work, that was covered with work and, workers' compensation. And I was living in my flat in, uh, in Harbord with my brother and his his friend who's in in the book paul and uh somehow or other i I don't recall but i managed to get home and i kept my jeans that had fused into the into my skin they'd become a part of my knee with a denim that was all bloody and torn and i sat in a bean bag all night then the next morning i ripped my pants off and it reopened this horrendous wound blood from our solder breakfast called cell pack said i've had an accident on my motorbike on the way to work which was a lie but i got a month off work because i was really ratchet then when i went back to work because the scar was on my knee um every time you bend your knee the scar the you know the scab would open up and, and bleed and then there was this lady at work uh and she came up with this amazing product she called it ung vita which is like fish oil and she said to me john if you um would like to give me your name and address um i'll come round and apply the ointment isn't that lovely of a bit sus actually you're dead right there and uh she used to come around at night time when i was <laughs> when i was living with my brother and his mate who were off their faces all the time and she would have come she'd come around and she would apply ointment which i thought was really sweet of her um that's about all of that particular story i'll be elaborating without further ado please just you know just bathe your brain in clorox to clean yourself from hearing those stories and let's dive into chapter two purely academical now dad this starts with john was one of 180 cadets in his class class 171 180 cadets did you feel how many of those people did you interact with on any given day I only interacted with F Troop. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. No one else. Okay, so, all right. And your your instructor? Two instructors. Right yeah, yeah. One was Sergeant Morris. Yep. And, and Shipley. And Shipley. Now, I, I said of Morris, he's like Guy Smiley, thought John to himself, if Guy Smiley hit the gym more and were human. Now, Paul, I read that, um, that notation about um, Mr. Smiley. Guy Smiley. Yeah, and Paul, who is Guy Smiley? Oh, yeah, that's right. This happens occasionally. This happens a lot, actually. Uh, that's just a... Dad, did, Dad couldn't remember what he looked like, so I just made up a character. All and, right. uh, and I'm quite enjoying the human Muppet thing. But one of the things that you said... I mean, one of the things was interesting. First of all, um, we changed Shipley's name. Uh, I changed it to Sergeant Ship uh, mm. with two Ps. Yeah. 
And um, by all accounts, these both of these guys were pretty eccentric. Mm, and, definitely. Yeah. Uh, what kind of stuff were they teaching you when you first started out? Well, they taught us to um, to use our brains, to think outside the square, to often improvise, and always do the right thing on the street. And um, our instructor, uh, Morris, who'd been in the Highway Patrol, yeah. he um, once pulled over in the rain and helped a bikey from a uh, one of the big bikey gangs. And this particular bikey, there was a fuse blown in his motorbike and... Um, our instructor had been in the highway patrol on the motorbikes mm-hmm. and he pulled over one night and he helps this, high, this, this guy, this spikey. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And um this story was one of the great stories he told us. We were young, you know. I mean, we were probationary constables, kind of, but we were recruits. We had no uniform, no gun. We hadn't been out on the street. We hadn't been in police cars. It was all theoretical. And they used to tell us these incredibly stimulating stories from their own real police adventures. They, their stories were gritty. And, and, and there's nothing better than listening to a true story from someone that's actually experienced the, the event. Mm. And he told us that one night many, many months later, in a very dodgy suburb in Sydney, he went to this um, a domestic argument and it was between various bikies and it got out of control and he ended up in a very heavy situation, him and his mate, where it looked as though they were really, really going to have the shit kicked out of them by these bikies. And then one of the bikies in this sort of fracas recognised our instructor 
as a guy that in uniform had pulled over one rainy night in Sydney and helped him fix his motorbike. And from that minute on, he had respect and he was saved from what potentially could have been a very harrowing um, experience. Right, so like you remove the thorn from the lion's paw and then it befriends you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So one of the things I really like about um, the stories you told me um, that I turned into this chapter was the typing. Now, you commented earlier on how fast I am at typing, but you learned to type at the police academy. So you get there and you're ready to, you know, jump into the action and jump into the fray and you are sitting there hunched over a typewriter with a very specific strange quirk. Could you tell us about that? Well, the um, we had a typing instructor mm. and he would come in once a week and we would go into, we'd all be marched into this... Um, it felt like a 1950s classroom with okay. shit, shit furniture. Yeah. Um, I hated it. I detested typing. It was one of those things that it's like something in life that you really don't want to do. And if you don't have to do it, you won't do it. But you realized that you had to get to 30 words a minute touch typing yep. as a prerequisite to becoming a police officer. And really? I just. Yeah, that's a minimum of 30 words a minute. Yeah. Touch typing in an exam um, situation. Now, I've heard you type, Paul. I heard yeah. you typing before we started, and, and you were you, that was breakneck speed. And a lot of people today, a lot of young people, type incredibly quickly, but most of them, I'm yeah. sure, don't touch type. They, they, they've invented their own systems. But the touch typing system is it's an old tried and proven system. And uh, and we were taught, but I mean, if you look down at the keys, like I'm doing now, I'm looking at the keys on my computer. I can I can remember and see all the letters, but to touch type to stop you cheating, uh, this old guy. Now, when I say an old guy, um, I would describe him as possibly eighty years of age. Oh, he was ancient. No, uh, with respect to any eighty year olds, but um. Very elderly, very, uh, you know, gentlemanly, wore a beautiful suit and really sweet, you know, just no sense of humor, um, had, had a task, he knew what he had to do, but he was gentle, he was kind and he brought in, because at first I thought, oh, this isn't so bad because I can kind of look where my fingers are and that'll give me a um, sort of a sort of a bit of a heads up, yeah. but oh no, he had got these boxes, these wooden boxes. I mean, it sounds weird just saying this, but he had these wooden boxes and he would put one box over everyone's typewriter so you couldn't see the keys and you couldn't see your hands because your hands would slide in through an opening at the front and then you would start typing and then you would read what you'd typed and often mine looked like well as is illustrated quite quite well in your book Paul quite well it looked it very well it looked like um it well you you just couldn't understand it so that's a pretty accurate description so you would have you would basically put your hands under the under this weird home you think he made them himself do you think he went home and sat in the, the you know like the shed and they I don't think they were a product used I don't think yeah. anywhere else on earth Right. except the New South Wales Police Academy. And I think they would have um, been made by an amateur um, carpenter or maybe maybe he made them. Okay. 
and they were they were nice boxes. They were stained and but bizarre. <laughs> and if you were to come across something like that in a garage sale, you'd just go, "What is this?" Hundred percent. That is a weird thing to do. Mm. Do you think it but, helped your typing? Ah, uh, look, it did. It made me. Uh, you just knew you couldn't cheat. Sure, sure. Because Paul. Yeah. When it came to the exam, mm. that was very stressful. And um, case in point, or not case in point, but not one woman ever did the typing course. Oh, that's like a weird kind of... I mean, it's misogyny, but it's sort of a weird, vaguely beneficial misogyny, at least in some mm. way. I mean, typing is a very, very advantageous... Um, it is, but it's not like a, it's not a feminine pursuit. It's not like women no, no, are born no. knowing how to take notes, but no. that's... That's very odd. Mm. Um, the really awesome story in this chapter, I think, one of my favourite stories that you've told me um, from your pre-police days, at least until the one you told me about almost joining a drug ring, was this surprise inspection, right? Mm. You were living with um, your brother and his housemate mm. over at this apartment in Manly, Correct. Correct. Who, so, um, who for yeah. listeners, uh, this is sort of not either here nor there, but mm. that particular guy um, is is very unwell in real life. Now he's he's looking for a bone marrow transplant. Who? Uh, well, you know the the two guys. There's my brother and his mate. Yeah, they were my flatmates. Right. And in real life, uh, the flatmate. Yep. Not my brother. Is very unwell at the moment as you and I sit here talking. Oh, that's terrible. I just found out from my mum. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, and he's, he's, he's really, he's ratchet. Okay. <clears throat> but anyway, that's an aside, but that kind of ties it all together. But he, he and um, Mark, well, you know that they used to, uh, it's in the book, uh, you know, they grew marijuana yeah. <laughs> yes. behind one of my paintings. In fact, that painting, my grandmother your great-grandmother painted hang on what do you mean behind the painting well we had this painting in the bathroom yeah up on the tiled ledge mm. so when you walked into the bathroom you couldn't really see the marijuana plants but they were between the back of the painting and the opaque glass which meant they were bathed in sunlight during the during the day because and they needed the moisture so it's a great environment yeah for those people that are thinking about yeah, uh, humid, hot, and sunny. Uh, so there was marijuana growing in the apartment, and FYI, I did not partake of the weed, at least that particular week. Um, but something that Paul, you didn't mention in the book, and I'm not sure why, but the night that the police officers came to the door, yeah, and it was late. Do you know, Paul, that I had a an earring in my left ear. I think maybe I was trying to just avoid that because of how uncool it is. Well, it used to be really cool. Did it? Yes. So I had an earring. If Harrison Ford has one, Paul, then it's cool enough for me. Paul, look, you know, I had an earring and when I went to the door yep. and opened it and peeked out and saw these two burly police officers, mm -hmm. I ran back to my room, which was only... A, a few feet away, yeah, yeah. and I tried to remove the earring and I basically ripped it out of my ear and I had <gasps> blood pissing out of my ear Ugh. and then I went back to the door and pre pretended 
that nothing had happened. And then I stood at a funny angle talking to these guys. And is it in the? it's in the book that one of the guys I actually had gone to school with I don't know that it is. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I mean, this is the book is very cinematic. Sometimes mm. there's just no no room for you know this yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, but. yeah. But as I said, you know, thinking about each chapter very in great detail does mm. bring back amazing memories. And this particular guy, um, his brother mm-hmm. used to be in the Highway Patrol, and he was dismissed from the New South Wales Police Force because he stole a Highway Patrol motorbike. Isn't that, that amazing? Can't, that can't be easy to do. No, no. But just, it, look, isn't it amazing sort of, what do they call it, three degrees of separation? Six degrees. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, six degrees. So all the, all the stories are intertwined. And they stood there and they basically, they literally barged their way in and they wanted to see what company I kept, how so I kept my house, was ha- I tidy? Had they told you about this beforehand? No, 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 nothing. Is that a la- I mean, don't, look, I'm sorry. Well, that's how it happened. Yeah, okay, okay. No, that that's amazing, and I and I'm quite sure it doesn't happen now. But back in the 19 late 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. police officers from a, a local police station would come to your um, residence. Yep. And they would basically invite themselves in, and they were sussing you out. Crazy. And they, and they wanted to see. Fortunately, um, I was always very tidy, mm-hmm. and still am. And everything was nice, except when they got into the uh, into the lounge and was was at the very end of the uh, the apartment. And there, of course, as as the readers know, uh, were um, sort of in bean bags because bean bags were just fantastic. Sure. Um, sort of watching something on telly. I think you described what they were watching as. I think um, I wrote gun. Did I write gun smoke? I wrote uh, um, something like that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you couldn't remember, so I literally had to trawl through mm. microfiche-style TV guides from that that year, yeah, yeah, and then sort of pick something based on the rough time slot. Oh, maybe Johnny Carson or something. It was Johnny like Carson. A, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but that's that's all spot on. Yeah. But um, there's one thing that. Uh, but I mean, is there anything else that you would say um, uh, I put in that that wasn't there the, um, that you thought? Oh well, there was. Um, you mentioned that as the police. I mean, they were pretty thorough. They went into the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Thank God they couldn't actually see the plants. But they did look in my bedroom and they saw my bed, which, mm-hmm. as I did say to you and a little and the listeners a little few minutes ago, that it was actually really was my mum and dad's bed. Yeah. Um, it had a, like a bed head with built-in lights. It was from the 60s. Mm-hmm. And on the end of the bed, uh, you said, was uh, a book called... The thorn is it the Thornbirds or just Thornbirds? You know, I confess I don't know, but I mean mm. Thornbirds was like it was the book, mm. um, and everyone was reading it. Or yeah. you know, middle-aged women were reading it. Mm. You, I'm, fa- I, I'm, 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 is it I'm flummoxed? Flummoxed is, a, is how a word. you how you got just I, I, I don't think I read a book between the ages of ten and twenty, Paul. So, uh, and if I had have read a book, yeah. it certainly would not have been that particular book. But it was very funny, <laughs> That's... and um, you, uh, yeah, you completely threw me. Well, as the, I mean, again, I'm taking things that happen and turning them into a, you know, mm. into a narrative, and sometimes yeah. the comedic beat is not the real one, so, mm. and plus, you know, it became a kind of running joke, um, but you, yeah, never read, uh, never no. read Thornbirds. No, no. And that's Okay. <laughs> 
And I probably never will, Paul. That's, I mean, I... that's that's fine. Okay, so the cops come in. Um, worst case scenario, what could have happened if things had gone really bad? Could you have, like, washed out? Because at this point, our, our intrepid hero was on the verge of becoming a police officer. How much was at stake here? Were you ever in any real danger? Yes, I was. And okay. um, if they had have been not so nice, yeah. I think it really helped that I, um, that I knew one of the policemen. Mm-hmm. That I, even though I didn't know him that well, we, yeah. we both acknowledged, and I think that helped. The sergeant was... Um, look, sergeants back in those days, Paul, yeah. were far from innocent. They were far from guilt-free. You mean like it, Britney Spears says in her movie Crossroads, uh, they're not that innocent? I, I acknowledge the latter part of that statement. Um, that part I do understand. Okay. But... Um, you know, he, look, police officers back in those days, they were, uh, they, they, they were pretty, pretty... Loose. They were pretty heavy. Yeah. You didn't fuck with them. And that's but, the old... So you got this older guy who... I mean, were you worried he was going to thump you or I something? was shitting my pants, mate. I was... Yeah. In fact, I'm just trying to think if I was in my underpants. Uh-huh. I, it was late. There's no way. Um, for listeners' information, on a personal note, I go to bed around about 8.30, 9 o'clock. Uh-huh. Always have, always will. Except discos, you know, leaving a disco at eight is a bit awkward. Um, but I, I, lo- I love sleeping. I love it. And um, I think they sussed me out. They could see that I was respectable, clean cut, um, polite. Uh, and, you know, I, that was just another stage. And, 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 and imagine if they um, had have come in and just said, look, mate, this is ridiculous. You've got two people smoking dope. You know, it could have been completely different. Um, but thank God it wasn't. And I, uh, and I was grateful to those two police officers because they would go back to the station that night yeah. and do a report recommending that I be considered for uh, future employment in the New South Wales Police Force. And I ended up working with that police officer that had been in the police force for some time that I went to school with. And I actually ended up senior to him in the New South Wales Fingerprint Bureau. Are you fucking serious? I'm deadly serious. And I'd love, to, I'd love to use his real name. And he actually, his, his brother, yeah. the one that stole the motorbike, who had all sorts of other problems, he ended up going out with um, a girl from Beacon Hill High School that I had a serious crush on. Serious crush. Not the one who passed away under terrible circumstances? No, no, okay. No, not okay. Okay. Um, another thing that I found interesting was the fact that, you know... You were, I mean, let's not overlook the fact that you were, you know, trying to enroll in the police force and yet there were drugs being grown in the apartment. Did, at any point, was there some sort of conversation of like, hey, guys, this is not appropriate? Or were you looking for your own place? Like, what, what was the, what was that kind of disparity feeling like? Uh, the police officers at the time, particularly on that occasion, they knew exactly what was going down. They'd walked, I imagine, round the side of the place and mm-hmm. to suss the whole, the whole scene out. Uh you know, they may well have gone to the very back of the property where um, there was a big sliding glass door mm-hmm. and that would have just looked inside to where um, my brother and his mate were, were, you know, basically, you know, smoking cones. So you reckon they would have seen that yeah, from the yeah, outside yeah. and then come in? And they would have smelt it. They would have known, okay. The smell of marijuana. I mean, I can be running on Manly Beach and if someone, you know, smokes a joint within 500 metres, I mean, it's, it's a unique, sweet smell. And yeah. there's nothing else like it. 
And um, in fact, up around where we are in this part of Sydney, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people just smoke in the street. I think it's allowed now. Okay. Is it? I don't know. It's don't kind know. of. I think. I mean, I think it should be, but I also think, you know, um, yeah. I just. I mean, if, if if something is illegal and you are trying to enroll in the police force, I would have assumed that they would have been looking for. I mean, are they looking for a reason to uh, not admit you, or are they looking for an excuse to admit you? No, like, I think. I think their primary goal is to see that you uh, live where you say you live. You. Yeah. Um, you keep a neat house. Um, they, they obviously want to see who you, uh, you know, who, you, who you're hanging out with. Yeah. Um, look, they may well have done other stuff that I'm unaware of, but that was fairly standard protocol. Okay. And um, I mean, look, you know, I, I did, and and I came across as a pretty decent, clean cut sort of a bloke. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I think I passed the test with flying colours. Um, had my brother and his mate had to have tried perhaps mm. to get in maybe it could have been a bit different um but this was sort of the last stage as i said i'm not quite sure paul whether they still do that uh, i don't know it'd be nice if one of the listeners could tell us what 100 percent whether uh, they uh, still do that 100 percent. i'm really curious and i'm also um i'm also quite curious as to whether anyone's got any questions about uh the about these cases. So we've obviously just finished a season of Funeral Home Stories and every Friday we do Loose Ends, Dad. And I know you've expressed a desire to, you know, field some questions every Friday about the things we're talking about week by week in Loose Units Origins. Mm. So obviously this week you filled us in on some fairly bizarre motorcycle... There was a lot of motorcycle stuff this week. It felt very bikey-ish. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. And I, to this day, love motorbikes. Uh, yeah, I'm I mean, very much aware how dangerous they are. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, your uh, your cousin, yeah, um, Matthew, mm-hmm. who's a police officer in New South Wales now yeah. today, he's he's a police officer. Mm. His best mate, um, who was in the police force with Matt a few months ago, was on his way home and was killed on his motorbike. It made the news. In fact, his wife, who is expecting, she actually heard it on the news before she, and that's that's and and Matthew, uh, and went and was in heavily involved, and he was a police officer working in the CBD and here in Sydney. Um, so, you know, mo- motorbikes are inherently dangerous, yeah. but also they're incredibly exciting and exhilarating and. I, I raced on a track last year. At, 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 I was doing 250 kilometres an hour, and, and I find it um, that's when you feel alive. Yeah. Um, but you can be at a set of lights, and someone runs into the back of you, pushes you out into oncoming traffic. You get run over by a garbage truck and squashed. Yep. Uh, if you're in a car, on the balance of probabilities, the injuries will not be as serious. But I mean, we we all lead our lives. We live our lives the way we 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 want to and I mean you know that I stopped skydiving when uh, when I met your mum yes because I felt didn't stop uh, smoking though no Just... but no but um, I mean I, I stopped doing a lot of things um, but Christine did make it very very clear yeah. that she was happy for me to keep skydiving and I, and I rode motorbikes um, and I had two Vespers um, up until fairly recently 
And yeah. I still think about getting a... I mean, I, mate, I love motorbikes. I know. I love them. Well, I mean, look, Dad, I'm looking ahead at the next chapter. At chapter three, Oh, Captain, My Captain. Now, this chapter kind of kicks off one of the core themes of the book as I structured it, which was you trying to find a mentor. Um, and I've skipped ahead a page or two into the chapter. And there is mention of a very colorful character called Maurice Green. Now, we'll talk about Maurice Green next week. But first of all, is Maurice Green his real name or did I change it for you? His real name is Maurice Green. Okay, because I say here, if a mountain fucked a Viking, their offspring would be Maurice Green. So, he's quite a big fella. And that's what we're going to look at next week on Loose Units Origins. Dad and I are going to go through, beat by beat, chapter three of Loose Units, Oh Captain, My Captain. If you don't have a copy of Loose Units, rent it from your library, grab the audiobook, you know, borrow a copy off a friend, or better yet, go and buy it. And while you're there, buy Electric Blue, because bookstores have been closed, and God, we are trying to sell as many copies as possible. But thank you so much for listening to another episode of Loose Units Origins. I think the season's going pretty well. I'm having a great time. I know Dad is as well. Don't forget to send your questions through to our Facebook page, uh, <laughs> facebook.com forward slash loose units. It's been a long week. Victoria had zero cases today, and I'm giddy at the prospect of potentially getting to see Dad in person and you know head across to a live show at some point soon. Fingers crossed. But anyway, thank you so much for listening, everyone, and we will see you very soon for an episode of Loose Ends. Bye. Cheerio. You want to try cheerio again? Cheerio. That's a bit too cheerful. Cheerio. Like somewhere in the, somewhere right, in the middle. Cheerio. Uh, uh. Hmm. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.